Hello and welcome to the Sweet Tea Series. I'm your host, Ariana Silva, and today I am joined by a friend, Rebecca Weaver from Texas Right to Life. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. So I think people have heard the name Texas Right to Life, especially more recently. Um, but in case they haven't, and let's talk a little bit about why they may be familiar with you and what it is that we get that y'all do over there. Yeah, so we are the oldest and largest pro-life organization in Texas, and we have our movement has been in the news a lot lately, obviously, over the past two years, a lot of different things. Um, I am the legislative director, so I uh, lead our department that heads up everything legislative. So we research, we draft, and we lobby for pro-life bills in the Texas Capitol. How long have you been over there with them? Yeah, I've been there six years now. Wow. So... Were it's you always fun. doing like the legislative side of things? Mm -hmm. or? I, I uh, had a foot in some other departments as well, but now fully legislative and it's it's so fun. And most of the time we're busy with the Capitol, right? For that that five months every other year. Yeah, TBPF, we're kind of familiar with, right, the, exactly. <laughs> with that schedule. And then the rest of the time, well, in normal years, the rest of the time, we're kind of just building relationships, talking to grassroots organizations about what we've worked on, what we're going to keep working on, that kind of thing. But that's kind of shifted a little bit over the past two years, right? So what is what did it look like before and what does it look like now in a post-Roe world? Right. So before Roe was overturned, it was very incremental. You know, what can we do to stop abortions in our state, protect more preborn children, protect their moms, protect vulnerable patients? That's another area we work on. Um, and then two years ago, we had the Texas Heartbeat Act, which was a huge victory, the strongest pro-life law to take effect in our country since Roe was uh, enacted. And so since then, since Roe was overturned, this past session was really unique because it was this first opportunity for the Texas legislature to show we're not just anti-abortion, we're truly pro-life. And what does that mean? Um, and so things like protecting pregnant and parenting college students, um, making sure that our state-funded alternatives to abortion program has a new name now, but that program was, was fully funded and protected, and then making sure our strong pro-life laws are really being fully enforced. So what's the new name of that program that you mentioned? Yeah, Thriving Texas Families. Gotcha, and what is it that they focus on? So it's a continuum, a spectrum of, of services now, um, and so the alternatives to abortion program is that first piece, right, of like taking care of pregnant moms and their babies up to three years after the birth of their child, and then there's these other programs that now factor into that whole program. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I know that there's like a lot of people who will say like, well, you're not pro-life, you're just pro-birth. Right. And so what you're saying is that what you're doing over there is I think proving a little bit that, that that that's not the only thing that we're focused on. Yeah, on, totally. On and that's something that, right, we as a, a movement know that we're not just pro-birth. Like, we've been doing all these other mm -hmm. things. But that program is a great example of we walk with women through their pregnancy, and then we walk with them up to three years after the birth of their child to help mm -hmm. them get the social services they need, have that resume building, job skills training, parenting classes so that they thrive post-birth. Right. And so what um, how much do you get to interact with some of the women who are being impacted by this? Yeah, not as much as I would like. You know, every every person, every group in the pro-life movement has their kind of front, their battlefield, I guess. And like the pregnancy centers and maternity homes and adoption agencies, they're on the front lines. And we're so thankful for them. And I'm glad that we get to advocate for them. Um, but that's one of the great things about what I get to do is I help. I'm not just passing laws, I'm helping women choose life. Mm. And um, you getting into this wasn't just something that you um, started later in life. You, you've you kind of mentioned that your family had a lot to do with it. So I definitely want you to get into some of that. Yeah. So I was born and raised in New Mexico. So I have that typical story of like, I wasn't born here, but I got here as quick as I could. <laughs> but um, my so my mom was very involved in New Mexico right to life. And she got us involved in politics and policy from an early age. Uh, she was reminding me the other day of 
we would take cookies up to our legislators in Santa Fe and you That's know these so like cute. little kids taking cookies and that Aww. was my first um, my first steps is being a lobbyist I guess um, <laughs> and so that's how I got involved she cared a lot about the pro-life movement she cared a lot about being engaged civically and that's where I learned that you know in the home on the front lines of doing that and so um, you know now this many years later just still getting to be involved and, and talk to her about what we're doing and yeah. that kind of stuff so for parents who let's say and I know that especially now it's really hard when you're if you're a parent and your kids go off to college they might come back with a different set of beliefs or even when they're in high schools now they have all these different messaging so what is it that you think is important for parents to do to be able to instill those kind of values that they want in their kids yeah well that's that is like the new kind of crisis we're facing isn't it i think just being engaged and showing like like showing that as an example in the home like my mom would take us in the ballot box. This was back when you would like push the button. It wasn't just electronic. She would take us in there and let us push the button and be mm-hmm. engaged in that way or have us so go committing to- voter fraud. From- <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> right. Um, and or go to going to work on campaigns, you know, as like a little 10 year old and holding oh, a sign or whatever. Yeah. And so I think showing that um, as an example and not just like forcing those beliefs, but living them out helps helps to stabilize your kid as they move forward. And then also thinking about my college experience, and I know like with your college experience of being involved in in organizations and having those friendships that help affirm your values and don't just feel like you're being torn down all the time. Yeah, it's actually interesting that we met during my college experience. (laughs) So I went to UT and uh, the first time that I had met you was I was part of an organization that was conservative, Young Conservatives of Texas, and I invited you to come and speak and So that was the first time I met you. And then the next time was, what, a year and a half later, two years later at your wedding. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, funny small world, right? I'm like, Because my fiance is also involved in, or I think it was through a pro-life thing you guys had met, right? Uh Yeah, Uh uh-huh. Everyone's connected. If you, like, bring in people with, like, similar values, all the... Yeah, (laughs) it's like all these weird webs. It is. It's awesome. Yeah. But uh, the other thing that we have in common is, so here at the foundation, there's so much behind-the-scenes stuff that happens to getting a bill past. Right. And one of the ones that you guys had been working on for years was the Heartbeat Act, right? right? So what did that look like of starting out as just words on a page to now something that's Im- implemented and impacting Texans? Right. So that bill was filed for at least one session before it got passed. And that session, it got referred to a, a committee that was chaired by a Democrat. So it was dead on arrival. And the difference between that session and then the session that it passed was a lot of work in that interim period of working on the language, tweaking the language, right. and also just that those conversations with legislators to show like, you, we can get here. You guys can vote this way. Um, and so when it came time for the set 2021 session, when the Texas Heartbeat Act was filed and eventually passed, um, there was momentum in the Capitol, which was great already. But you, even if there's momentum, you know, you guys know full well, like things don't get passed easily. Everything is hard. And so there was that political will and that political capital but it still took a lot of work. And one of the sort of weird blessings in the passage of that law was that um, it was right after COVID. Well, COVID was, I guess, the the shutdown was kind of still going on. Right. And a lot of people were still scared, especially... Because this was during 2021, right. right? Beginning of it. So people in Austin were still all wearing masks. Right, yeah. right. And even in the Capitol, we were still required to wear masks. You were still testing all this oh, stuff. I forgot about that. And yeah, so, I do remember the, the portable tents that they yeah. had, the testing. Yeah, you were <laughs> testing like all the time. It was ridiculous. But... Normally, right on a bill, any pro-life bill, you're going to have a lot of um, 
a, a lot of support and a lot of opposition. And the weird thing, and this was honestly a gift from God, was that there was no opposition to the bill from the typical pro-abortion left. Which is unheard of. Uh, unheard in of. In any absolutely. state. Yeah. Right, right. And it was, they just didn't show up. Like they would sort of send emails, but they just didn't show up. Wow. And that was a huge part of the, of the bill moving and getting eventually passed. So there was something good that came out of the <laughs> yeah, lockdown. Exactly. Exactly. I know. I was like, I don't I don't dare say that the whole reason for COVID was passage of the Texas Heartbeat <laughs> Act, but isn't nice but to it kind of see some of the silver lining in that really hard season. Wow. So and I think whenever you came to speak, it was right after the Heartbeat Act had been passed. Yeah. And um, But you do a lot of those college campus things, right? What are the environments like whenever you're going out to college campuses? Yeah. So one of the things at Texas Right to Life that we do is we have a whole education department that like helps students establish and grow their pro-life cl- clubs on campuses. Like we said, you know, you're faced with all kinds of opposition for these yeah. values. Um, so yeah, so I get to go talk to college groups. And it's so invigorating because there's something about college students where they just like are hopeful and excited and it it reminds you of like there's a lot of reason to be hopeful um but they're facing a lot of opposition obviously like like we know full well um not only from professors and maybe fellow students but one of the trends we're seeing too is that abortion pills are being um, targeted to college campuses. So they'll like put up QR codes in the bathrooms that say like want to be unpregnant and you can just scan it and they'll oh send you goodness. to a website that sends those abortion pills right to your dorm room without any sort of physician supervision, without any oversight. Wait, I think I do remember these on UT campus because yeah. what... Um, one of the other pro-life organizations I was not a part of started doing is they found the same exact design that they had used on Canva. Mm-hmm. And so then they started printing out their own versions that looked almost identical, but it would send you to a pregnancy resource center yeah. instead. Yeah. yeah, so clever. So those are like the cool ways that there's like this pushback, right? So that's what we're seeing. I think there's a lot of passion um, just in general on college campuses, which is awesome. And there's a lot of passion for the pro-life movement. We've seen that young people are more pro-life. They care more about life. And I think a huge part of that is that unlike maybe our parents or our grandparents, certainly, we have this like window into the womb through the sonogram and, and we know more about fetal development. Like we know more about kind of debunking the myths of like it's just a clump of cells or things like that that have helped our generation and the next generation realize like this is this is a human being. This is a valuable person already. Um, And we just have technology that allows us to see that in a way that older generations just didn't have. So you're saying that the younger generations are actually end up being more pro-life than their Yeah, that's the general before? trajectory that we're wow. seeing. So I think in other areas, too, it's interesting watching Gen Z either become hyper-conservative or the ones who become left get hyper-left. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen the same thing. No, that. definitely. And I think that goes to, like, the passion, right, that you yeah. just young people have, and it's great. I'm acting like I'm, like, a super old person, <laughs> like, young people. But young people have. But I think it's true. And maybe I think that's just all the, the environment we're in. I see that in the capital and, like, with the, the individuals I interact with there of just this hyper-politicization of everything, mm-hmm. um, which to some extent is helpful if there's certain, like, there's certain issues that you're going to be really divided on. But yeah. that's not kind of traditionally how our country has operated either. No, it's a, it's a weird, like, sometimes it's good that people are able to see, like, I think we just have access to more information than ever before. Right. So totally. if you want to know what's happening politically, you just can open up your phone and be on it, any app really quickly. But the problem with that is, again, it's everyone has access to this now. You get to choose and it makes things a little bit more polarized. Right. So, totally. Yeah. But I mean, I, I enjoyed being the 
counter, you know, because if you're on college campus, you're younger. If everyone else is liberal, there's like something a little bit that you can enjoy about being, <laughs> being the opposition. No, totally, yes. <laughs> totally. And it's so important. You know, I, so I went to Texas A&M. Um, you went to UT. And at A&M, I mean, the, the college is becoming more liberal, but the the student body is very conservative. And that's just so different from your experience, right, of who you're surrounded right. by. And I have a lot of respect for students who go to schools that are very liberal because as conservative students who go there and hold their values and fight back because that's hard. And like, that's a good training ground for just like your life. But that's also hard and just acknowledging that. You actually that. said something like really important about it at the beginning, which is the people that you surround yourself by are going to really have a big influence on that. Totally. So the reason I was able, I think, come out of college as conservative as I was, was I was surrounding myself by people who are like in conservative organizations or in my church groups and right. stuff. So what was that like for you in college and finding those people? Right. I mean, same thing. Even though AM is much more conservative traditionally, I still had to get involved in my church, get involved in small group, get involved in um, some political groups i was involved in yct for a little bit oh, too. Actually? Mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> i focused more on um like um ministry things in college gotcha. but same thing mm -hmm. of like the people you're surrounded by of like the people i was surrounded by are people from around church and yes. um who tended to have the same values as me and that wasn't not necessarily intentionally but I'm really grateful that that's how it worked out. I also felt like even when I had disagreements with people at church, there was still a common ground that allowed us to have better discussions. Totally. So if you have like a similar value and you still like, you value life, you think that life has dignity and, and meaning and you think that there's purpose and in the same ways, I think that just kind of allowed me to be able to say like, oh, we actually disagree on on immigration, but we obviously know that we both have the best of intentions. So you're right. able to have that a little right. bit more. Right, and if you don't have that shared base like that's harder to get to that mutual understanding or respect if if you don't have that which if there's a stranger you don't necessarily you can't even get there you know what i mean right so and so a lot of times when you're on college campuses though you're giving speeches and speaking to people who are already pro-life right but what are the kinds of things that you're equipping them with so they when they go out when they're not encountering that yeah t definitely that's um i I've been in like um, rallies where the pro-life group is surrounded, like right after the Texas Heartbeat Act, where the pro-life, you know, people yes. out there are surrounded by all of these pro-abortion individuals. So that's kind of the extent that I experience it or in the Capitol. But yeah, on college campuses, usually the groups I'm talking to are like-minded students. And our our focus with that is to equip them just with information on like with the Texas Heartbeat Act. What does it really do? You know, there was a lot of fear of like, it's going to break our economy. It's going to ruin our state. And just, if, you know, affirming to them, like there aren't going to be frivolous lawsuits filed. The point of this is to deter deter people from having an abortion after their baby can have a heartbeat. And so um, giving information, giving them encouragement, like you're not alone. We're here to provide resources for you, to provide help for you as you go out and are interacting with those students who don't have the same values or or don't even know, like don't even know the fetal development of their child. And, and so different things like that. Yeah. And I think for so long, what I realized when I was at UT was a lot of the pushback that we got was... Um, more along the lines of you don't want women to have choice and you're just doing this because of your religion. And so people right. were actually really surprised whenever you would bring like facts into the mix. And that was like on all the issues that we were talking about. So that I think that is a super important thing to be able to just have be armed with that sort of information. Right. And I think one of the things I've sort of heard about and we've seen is like the the science is really clear on this, right? Of fetal development, when life begins, all of these things. And um 
sometimes pro-abortion individuals will act like, well, that's your science, like science is subjective. And there are certain things that are, right? But like where we don't know, we're it's still in the hypothesis phase, we don't know. But this is not like an objective, I'm sorry, it's not a subjective thing. It's right. objective of like what fetal development looks like. And it's been really cool. So I'm actually um, eight weeks pregnant and we got to see our baby's heartbeat. Congratulations. Thank you. We got to see our baby's heartbeat last week. And it really brought home to me like the importance of this wow. law and of seeing, getting like the sonogram and just getting more information into women's hands. Because like, I obviously in real life, but seeing that it was a very emotional thing for me and made it very real. And so I just, it it emphasized to me the value of the laws that we have been passing of, they're not these draconian, like trying to take away anyone's rights, right? We're we're trying to protect preborn children's lives and giving women that information of like, this is what your baby looks like. This is like when they have a heartbeat and what that looks like and all this different, like, like the sonogram and different things like that. It's just, it's really, I think, empowering for women. And I think it's so helpful in having those conversations with people who don't agree with you or helping, again, helping women choose life because they have the resources and they have the information that they really need about what's actually happening. So if someone's watching this and they're like, I agree with this, but I actually don't know what all the facts are and how to share those, where where could they go to find some of that? Yeah. So at TexasRightToLife.com, we have a lot of information on, on from the policy, right, what I do, but also education, like what does fetal development look like? What is a miscarriage you know we hear we've been hearing a lot about that of like miscarriage versus abortion and like what you know what is protected under texas law what is not so we have different just articles on articles and resources for people if they don't if they don't know all the answers or they they know some of the answers but they need more help our website has a lot of information on that kind of stuff that's fantastic but the other thing that's interesting is so the texas heartbeat act passed roe v wade is overturned but you guys are still doing stuff at Texas Right to Life. Right. We still have a job. So. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah. what, what's been happening recently? Yeah. So the new phenomenon in Texas that we're seeing is that, yeah, we've passed these strong pro-life laws. We've prohibited abortion from the moment of fertilization. But we are seeing this trend of certain politicians who are publicly declaring that they're not going to enforce our pro-life laws. Mm. Um, And it's a lot of district attorneys in our major Texas cities, right, where these violations are probably more likely to occur. And they're just announcing that they're not going to do their jobs. So that's kind of a new front for us is like making sure our laws are truly and fully being enforced. And there's a couple different ways we're seeking to do that, um, that we're working on in the Texas Capitol. Another phenomenon is these illegal abortion pills being shipped into our state, being trafficked into our state across the border. Yeah, I remember hearing stories about that pretty soon after that. So that's still happening. Right. And we have these illegal um, or these uh, websites that are, again, selling the illegal abortion pills. And so that's kind of our new thing, too, is right. We don't want to rest on our laurels and say, like, well, we've passed these laws. We're done. Like, if abortions are still happening, then that's not enough. Like, we need to do more. So stopping these illegal abortions, fully enforcing our laws, and then kind of what I talked about earlier of building a a truly pro-life state, like, where we're not just anti-abortion we're truly pro-life and we're incentivizing women to stay here and and have their child and feel like they can flourish in that instead of like oh i need to go out of state to get an abortion or i need to order the illegal pills like no you can stay here and choose life and flourish and we need to have policies that that help women do so what you're telling them is and having a baby isn't going to be the end of your life right we'll be here with you right and that's some of the bills we passed this past session about pregnant and parenting college students was that was the whole idea is like 
we hear this lie that like you either have to choose having your baby or having professional and educational success and it's not mutually exclusive and so the idea behind those laws was to help women and 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 fathers too right see like you can still pursue your education even if you have to take some time off you can come back in the same academic standing you had you can still flourish and get your degree and be so successful and have a kid and if you have a kid we'll help you craft your school schedule so that you can parent and have a job and pursue Mm -hmm. your degree so the other another area i guess where people are attacking some of these laws would be uh, the city of san antonio yeah so um this is from the san antonio express it says a city council majority is backing a five hundred thousand reproductive justice fund that could be used in part to help people access legal abortions outside of texas so what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. What are you guys doing? Totally. So that factors into like, what are we? St- what do we have next? What's still going on? And so we have these major cities like Austin, like San Antonio. Now this this is the largest line item that a city has budgeted toward this reproductive justice fund, and we know from what they've said in those city council meetings that the goal is to help women access out of state abortions, and so we actually at Texas Right to Life um, are kind of shifting our strategy. Right, we're in this post row world. We want to go on. On offense now. We don't want to just be playing defense, waiting for pro-abortion individuals to, to sue our laws. We want to go um, a- and fight against these efforts to be pro-abortion in our state that's very pro-life. And so um, we are filing a lawsuit against the city of San Antonio to to one, to deter other cities from pursuing these similar things, but two, to kind of get a firmer grasp of what does aiding and abetting mean? What is furnishing the means of procuring an abortion? These these phrases that we have in our laws, like what does that mean? And I think, you know, see, is the city of San Antonio doing that? And so that's kind of the goal behind this lawsuit is to keep other cities from doing that and get some firmer clarity on what these definitions mean because line iteming, you know, half a million dollars to send women out of state to get abortion is certainly against the spirit of what our laws are all about. Right. And now that you, um, now that you're like a mom and you have a baby with a heartbeat, what (laughs) was, how has that influenced how you feel about the work that you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, it makes it a lot more real, definitely. Um, And uh, I feel like maybe now I have a stronger voice in it too. You know, when I would do press like at, right after the Texas Heartbeat Act and different um, not as friendly reporters or media outlets would ask, you know, well, do you have kids? And it's like, well, no, I don't. And you don't have to have kids. You don't have to be a woman to have a voice in this, right? This isn't about, this isn't about women's rights. This is about a whole class of our human family that was disregarded and denied their their rights and their dignity that we're reestablishing now. And so, but anyhow, um, now being a mom and and um soon to have a, a child in the world um it's it's made it a lot more real for me and um i think maybe given me a little bit more of a platform yeah that's all yeah i don't even know how else, that what else to say to that that's just so special that that's something yeah. that you can connect to like that yeah and um, you and your husband actually met in a really interesting way, right? We did. <laughs> we did. We did. So we um, we met via a matchmaking service, which is we didn't want to do the whole online thing. And that's great for people who do meet their person that way. But we were not having success that way. And so we both joined this matchmaking service and met that way. And he was my first match and my first date. And oh, then, wow. Yeah, so it actually worked. It actually worked. Yeah. <laughs> and so now we're like the biggest proponents of it. And yeah. I hope it works for anyone who tries. But it 
it worked for us and we're so grateful yeah going more into the pop culture stuff so this is yeah. something we had talked about before the yeah. show is we both like those sort of matchmaking shows so oh, yeah. Indian matchmaker the Jewish matchmaker do you have a favorite between those so two? I think Indian matchmaking totally used to be my favorite mm-hmm. and now I think Jewish matchmaking is becoming my favorite and I think because with the Jewish matchmaking it kind of goes into like the the faith aspect underlying right. it for some of the people, not all of them. But it was just interesting hearing that. And obviously that was important for me in my matchmaking journey and for my husband too. So I think the host of the show was the one who really was grounded in her faith in the Jewish matchmaking yeah. one. Yeah. But that's, it's so weird because I, I really like those shows because it seems like the values that they're, like that the show is supporting and stuff are much more aligned with my values personally. Right. And then with the other dating shows, it's a little bit, different do you watch any of the other dating stuff so one of the other ones i've watched is love is blind yes and, same here <laughs> yeah and that one i think is trying to get towards the same goal of like connecting people on a deeper level but then still the the physical comes in and not that the physical is not important and you know how you relate to people but there's a lot more to it than that so right because in love is blind the cool thing is so they're behind a screen for however like i think it's 10 days that yeah, they're I in those so. dating pods or they call them the pods and so they're not able to see each other and so it's purely or do they have emotional connections yeah and then after that they're put back into the real world and that's when it gets weird because like okay well then now there's people who are like living together and there's right so they skip over kind of the marriage step to see if it works out yeah but at least it's getting to the core of like you have to connect on an emotional level too. Right. To right. be with someone. Mm-hmm. And be able to intellectually have conversations. Right. Or see if your values align right. ahead of time. Right. Yeah. Which I think you were saying like for you as a, working with a matchmaker, is that the kind of stuff you went over? Yeah. And that was what was cool about it is like, you know, you can say whatever you want on an online you know, platform. Mm -hmm. And I know that gets tricky for a lot of people who are trying to find someone and they're not always finding someone who's being truthful and right. with a matchmaker you're just like you've you've upped the stakes a little bit and so there's no reason to lie like you can just be honest about what you're looking for and so whoever you're matched with you know okay we're at least sort of on the same trajectory here we must match to some extent because someone else thought we would be a good match right what were some of the things that you guys valued that you just automatically lined up on yeah our faith and right. our politics um those were huge it was <laughs> the same for my fiance and i so yeah. we actually met um, at the Capitol oh. two years ago, or during the last session, not this one, but the 2021 one. And he was there to testify for something. And at the time I was working somewhere covering that sort of stuff. Oh, so that was that. the first time we met. And then a whole year went by without us seeing each other. And I re-met him at church. I love and it. so right away, it's the same thing of like our values aligned, our politics aligned. So yeah, but I think it's super helpful. And I think when you work, or, or you know, we were talking earlier about the you know, people are like hyper left or hyper right Right. Mm -hmm. in this environment. If you care about politics, you probably are sort of thrown into one of those categories. And if you are, you want to find someone you can actually have a conversation with and not argue with all the time about that. Like if you're passionate about it, if you're watching this, if you know, like you care and you probably want to find someone who cares as much as you do, or at least agrees with you. Mm -hmm. Or at least understands why you care, why you're doing what you do in your life. But it's so weird that there's, so there's shows like that that we're talking about where it's about connecting people on similar values. And it seems like in the matchmaking one, they're really trying to get people like, come on, you need a value more than looks right but right now there's um there's a new show on hbo and i kind of mentioned to you like before the show but it's called naked attraction and it just hit the number one spot on hbo recently and the way kxan like gives a summary of the series saying in the series a clothed competitor is tasked with choosing one of six other contestants to date and judge so almost solely on the appearance of their naked bodies which in the fact that okay 
for and for multiple reasons. This is just really upsetting right. and disheartening. Right. Right. And I think it goes like it's yeah, it's so disheartening. I think thinking about how it ties into even like what I do, right? Is like one of the things we have to fight against in our culture is commodifying other people, commodifying children, commodifying women. Uh, and and that this show is just like doing that, you know, and and undermining the fact that humans are, yes, we are bodies and how are we look, but like we are souls too. And right. like the dignity that comes along with that. And a lot of times a an argument for abortion is like the development, like how how does the baby look or where are they lo- located, you know? Like they don't look like a human in those early developmental stages. And so it's just like putting so much value on looks rather than like the truth of who someone is or getting to right. know it's who they are. Right, it's just breaking down body parts into a price, I guess, at the end yeah. of it. Yeah, and it's just, it just is sad, you know? Cause it's like relationships are worth so much more than that. And like every person is worth so much more than that than just how you look. And so really undermining our like value and dignity of human beings with kind of valuing things like that. So with a culture that's like that, where people aren't valuing themselves, they're not valuing other people they're around, um, and, the, you know, don't they don't value life um, right. or human life at all stages, what is it that gives you hope to keep fighting? Yeah, I think there is a lot of reason for hope. And I think one of the cool things about what we get to do at Texas Right to Life is like, give that perspective of hope like there is a better way than this you know mutually exclusive like have your child or have your success like you don't have to choose you can have both and that there is a better way of valuing yourself and valuing your child valuing your family valuing other people Um, we don't have to be just commodities that are used like that's not that's not inherent in who we are. We are valuable, dignified because of the fact that we're human beings. Like nothing else is needed. Like you are valuable because of the fact that you are a human, that you are inherently dignified and valuable. And so I think we have a really a strong message of hope to give to a culture that's really hopeless. And I mean, th- that show even highlights it of of what we're choosing to value as a culture, that's ultimately hopeless. Like that is not going to be fulfilling. And we as a a pro-life movement can give a lot more hope of like, there is a better way and there is a more hopeful way. And and ultimately it's going to be more satisfying because it it satisfies the whole person and like and values the whole person and your dignity and i think that is going to help us win in the end as a culture and society right. is just getting to highlight that in a world that's really hopeless is like there is a hope and there is another way and we can value all human beings and and end up there so if there is a young woman watching this right now and let's say she's in college and just wants to know what she can do like what is it that an individual can do to help change all of this? What would you say? Yeah, so I would say just getting involved in even a small way. And if that's politically or legislatively, that's obviously where my head's at, so that's great. (laughs) But also, like, is there... A pregnancy center you can volunteer at just a little bit. Um, follow the legislature and you know follow us at Texas Right to Life. And what are the what are the calls to action we need to just call your legislator and tell them to pass this bill or stop this bill? Um, if now being pregnant, it's hard, and I didn't never know how hard it was. I heard, oh. but I didn't know. And if the, so, if there are pregnant women or or women who are are struggling in your life, like see how you can help them. If you can like just 
cook them a meal or something like that. I think there's little ways we can all get involved in building a pro-life society and community. And even if you just take that one small step, that's huge. And then you can keep building on those steps. Right. And I would say it even goes beyond just like those little things. The, the, the way that I always want people to start is just be bold in saying your opinions and start yeah, with your friends totally. who already care about you and know that what that you value them, that you like, that you that you're a good person, basically, and just start there in those little ways, mentioning what your beliefs are. Right. And so you can work up the courage to be that bold in other situations. Totally. And I think, too, yeah, that's a great point is like you flex that muscle of being brave and sharing your opinion, especially on something that's controversial and can be hard. And maybe you find other people agree with you. They were just scared to say something and you gave them the courage then to know like, oh, there's someone else who agrees I with me. I had people thank me after classes on occasion because yeah. they were too scared to say anything. Yeah. But I didn't just get there overnight. It started with like the little conversations with friends who already knew that because it's so easy to be accused of being a terrible person by someone who doesn't know you. But right. yeah, that gets taken away. Yeah. So if people are interested in finding you, where where should they go? Yeah. So for Texas Right to Life, you can go to texasrighttolife.com. We're on Twitter. I know it's like X now, but I can't stop saying Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, you can find me on on Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, and we have all kinds of resources there. If people want to get our text alerts, they can text pro-life to 40237. And um, we don't spam we just send calls to action updates like about this lawsuit about what's going on in the capitol little ways to get involved where we could could use supporters calling their legislator or things like that and keeping you up to date on what's going on that's awesome thank yeah. you so much for joining yeah, this morning and giving congratulations to your whole family for the recent news <laughs> thank you all right everyone we'll be seeing you next friday thank you for joining us